0: and amen. Aren't these wonderful songs? Amen. Amen. Our last reading comes from John chapter one. John takes a different approach than the synoptic gospels do. Instead of telling us the historical account of the birth of Christ, he explains the significance of it theologically. And so let's read this together from the board and let's stand together as we read these 14 verses together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, and all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I just wanna take a few minutes to just share with you the continuation of what John says in this passage and just explain the significance of Christ's coming as man. John goes on to say <clears throat> that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen its glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist bore witness about him and cried out, "'This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace.'" For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. What is the significance about the incarnation? I'm not gonna fully exegete this passage, but just to share with you a few thoughts of it, thoughts that I've actually shared with you before, so these will be familiar to you, I pray. But it is always good to be reminded of of truths that are yet so simple and yet so profound that many throughout the centuries have deeply sought them and pursued them. And we're still only barely scratching the surface. But John says that in verse 16, he says, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus is the source of God's all sufficient grace for us? I love the song. Um, <clears throat> I love the song that Sovereign Grace sings, where they say that uh, that He, I cannot cause my soul my soul to live. God is good to me, and He is good in Christ alone. And that is the truth, that we experience the goodness of God, the goodness of God the Father. He is not some terrible despot who is seeking to destroy us, but he is a loving Father seeking to save us. And he has sent his Son, Jesus Christ, so that we may have the fullness of grace for the fullness of sin that we commit. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And we are full of sin and depravity, and yet Christ is a source of the abundance of God's grace. John 4, 14, Jesus says, for whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. Beloved, the the grace that Jesus brought to us, the grace that Jesus is for us, it is not a one-time transaction, but it is a continual supply of grace by which it meets our daily needs. It is the grace that keeps on giving. We don't just stand in one spot in history and receive one helping of grace, but we stand in the river and continually receive that supply. Brother Art took me and my son fishing over by one of the dams on the river a few years ago, and And I caught this really big fish. I don't even know how I did it, in all honesty. Was it me? I think it might've been Colton that caught it. I might be taking credit for his fish. But, uh, oh, Art's pointing at me. Okay, I am the one who caught it. So, see, I knew that. But, uh, (laughs) it's a fish story, exactly. But whenever I I pulled it out, it was one of these fish that had like this really large mouth. And I was like, man, I don't know what to do with this. And Art said, throw it back. You don't want that. I was like, why not? He said, because that's a trash fish. All they do is, is swim right in front of the dam and everything that comes over the dam, they just kind of hold their mouths open and they just sit there and just feed all day long. And they, get all, they feed on all kinds of trash and all kinds of stuff like that. You don't want that. And you may not wanna eat the fish, but you know, just like that fish, God sets us in front of the dam of his grace. And we just receive it as He continually supplies it to us daily, daily, and daily. It is truly the gift that keeps on giving, it is truly the everlasting gift of Christmas. In Christ, He supplies, He's the source of His everlasting grace. But he also accomplishes more than we ever could for ourselves. Look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He, he acknowledges that the law was given through Moses. Of course, this takes us back to the Old Testament and the Old Testament way of doing things. And don't misunderstand what, what John is saying here. He's not saying that there is a contradiction between the law and grace and truth. That's not what he's saying here. The law was provided in grace. God provided a means by which we will know God and we will understand his holy standard. But the law was incomplete, not that it was incomplete of itself, but it was incomplete in this point, that it was given to us specifically so that we would understand that by the law, no one can come to the righteousness of God. That by the law, it condemns us all as sinners. Hebrews chapter 10 verse four says that it's impossible but that the that the blood of bulls and goats would take away our sins for good. They had to be repeated year after year after year. Every single year, there was a constant repetition, constant reminder that I am unclean and a sinner before God. And there is nothing I can do about that of my own. And yet when John goes on to say, yes, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, what he's saying is that the fulfillment of that law came through Christ that he is the one who kept its truth. And by keeping that truth, it is that source, that grace that he brings to us, that now we are saved not by any righteousness that we can muster on our own, not by keeping works, not by keeping the law, not by keeping anything like that, but we are saved solely upon the righteousness of Christ. And and that righteousness applied to our souls. We are saved by his righteousness. And if you do not have his righteousness given to your account, then it is a righteousness that will fail you. If you're trying to keep the law, we can't even keep our own laws. You know, right after Christmas, what comes next? New Year's, right? How many of you, how are you doing on last year's resolutions? Not very good, are you? We can't even keep our own walls. How in the world are we gonna keep God's wall? We can't even do that. The great uh, Baptist preacher Alexander McLaren years ago told of a man who was sick and lame. And he told the story of how a man pointed to a mountain retreat and said if you will go up there you will be helped by the pure atmosphere. He said what use is that? The man is lame. The man is sick. That man is unable to do it because of his illness, and so it is with the law. There is no help there. Men are perishing not because they do not know what they ought to do. Men are not bad because they doubt what their duty is. The worst in the world knows a great deal more of what he ought to do than the best man in the world practices. So it is not for want of rules that so many of us are going to destruction But it is for lack of power to fulfill those rules, says the great Baptist McLaren. You see, it is not, even the worst people in the world knows what they ought to do. They may claim otherwise, but when Tim goes to prosecute them, when the police go to catch them, they always run, don't they? Why do they run? Because they know what they should have done. They know they've done something that they ought not to have. I pointed to Steph and Tim's back there. They know they shouldn't have done that. That's why they come up with every excuse in the book. That's why they're trying to come up with every mode of self righteousness that they can. It's not for lack of knowledge, it's for lack of power. You and I simply do not have the strength nor the power to keep God's law. We simply cannot, and even if we could, we would not we are totally depraved and yet Christ in his goodness came he He lived out a life of total obedience to God. He earned the righteousness that you and I need. And then he died on the cross to take the punishment that you and I deserve so that when we come to Christ as Savior, the great exchange happens to where all of our sin is laid upon him and all of his righteousness is given to us in grace. That is the grace of God in Christ alone. And beloved, if you are not as righteous as God is, then you cannot go to heaven. You will not be saved. And so praise God, God himself came to give us his own righteousness in his son, Jesus Christ. That is the only way. You say, how do you know all this? Because of verse 18. You see, he's not only the all-sufficient source of God's grace, he's not only the fulfillment of everything we cannot do for ourselves, but Jesus has also revealed God to us. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, and pay attention to this, how specific this is, the only God who is at the Father's side. Who are we talking about there? We're talking about Jesus Jesus, who is God himself, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. How do we know God? Because God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. If you know Christ, you know the Father. If you know Christ, you know the fullness of God. There are so many ways today that people try to know God. And and you look down through history People have done some pretty weird stuff trying to know God. Weird stuff. One dude sat on top of a pole for 26 years. Weird people will deprive themselves they will beat themselves they will they will take hallucinogenic drugs they will take they will take alcohol they will do all, they'll join they'll join cults they will they will mark their bodies they will do all kinds of stuff trying to know god and yet the truth is unless god reveals himself to us you and i cannot know god The finite cannot know the infinite. The sinner cannot know the holy. And God has revealed himself to us in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, you do not know God. He has revealed himself to us. Look at how this is worded. The one and only God the one who came from the very side of the father who himself is the one and only god the mystery of the trinity is revealed in jesus christ is told to us in jesus christ this is where jesus came from he did not come into being when mary conceived him from the holy spirit he did not become who he was when he took his first breath some people through the years have tried to say that Jesus did not become God until his baptism or, or different spots in his life. Beloved, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but that's not where he originated. In fact, throughout the Gospel of John, John is very careful with his language and he never refers to Jesus as being origined. In the flesh, he always refers to Jesus as coming in the flesh. Why? Because Jesus existed before the flesh, Jesus existed before the world. In fact, beloved, the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. Do you understand that the entire plan and purpose of God has been working up to this point to where Jesus is born, he lives, and he dies, and beloved, that is not some plan B that God had to put into an emergency situation, that was his plan from the very beginning to redeem for himself a people that will be saved by grace and not by works to the praise of his glory forever and ever. If you're saved of yourself, the glory belongs to you. But he who gives the grace, what? Gets the glory. God has given us the grace in Jesus Christ. And therefore he gets all the glory of our salvation. There is no rule, there is no sacrament, there is no ordinance, there is nothing that will do what only God can do for you. That's the significance of the incarnation, beloved. That's why we celebrate this holiday. If we could save ourselves and Jesus being born, what's the big deal? He's just any other baby, any other birth. And that's what many people take him as, but we do not. Because we understand that it is by Christ alone through this miraculous act, the entire miraculous act of his life on earth, his death, and then ultimately culminated in his resurrection. We understand that that is the way we come to know God. And that is how we are saved. Oh beloved, do you know Christ is your savior? Are you saved? Are you counting on Christ alone? Are you depending upon his work alone? If I were to ask you how you know you're going to heaven, is there any mixture of your own efforts that you would place in that answer? Are there any works that you would include? Is there anything else you would say other than Jesus Christ has saved my soul? If you cannot answer that way, I beg of you, to come see me after service. I'll even skip lunch to talk to you. There are others here. If you're not comfortable talking to me, that's okay. There are others here who would love to talk to you. Go to someone. I dare say that there's not a person in this room who would not love to sit down with you, skip lunch if necessary, so that they can tell you how you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's way better than Colton's ever thought about being That's way better than any restaurant in town. Beloved, you must know Christ and Him crucified. Do you know Him? And are you secure in Him? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for these wonderful truths. Lord, we thank you for that truth and grace has come to us not in the form of of things that we cannot attain to, but in the form of the one who has condescended to us, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is for us salvation, wisdom, righteousness, all of the things that are required. Lord, he has become all of those for us. We look forward to that great and wonderful city that will be named the Lord, our righteousness. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning as they have heard really the history of the world, beginning with creation, going through the fall, examining the promise and seeing the promise fulfilled and now having its implications shared and explain, Lord, I pray if there's one here who doesn't know Christ, they would do so before they leave here today. And may all of us find greater power over sin, greater freedom over temptation, having once again heard the gospel, having once again heard the gift that keeps on giving. Lord, place us in the stream of your grace and give us the continual flow that we are always so dependent upon. It is in your name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing. O come, all ye faithful.